We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. I, I Can we change the name of the podcast to the with the we'll just keep the little X in front of it because that's that's the designation. They are they are X marks the spot and the spot is the playoffs. And that is where the 2020-21 New York Knicks find themselves. Um, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, first, our guest today. Very excited. Um that you get to listen to me talk to this person because he is uh, not only very smart and very um, knowledgeable about the topic that we spoke about, but he's a good friend of mine. And we have, um, we have a good time. When we talk and you'll have a good time listening. Adam Taylor of Celtics blog, um, part of the, the SB nation um, blog network. Um, he does great stuff for them, writing, podcasting, the whole thing. And um, I wanted to bring him on. We, so full disclosure, we, we, I conceived of this idea. Um, I don't know about a week ago. And uh, we recorded our conversation on, um, I'm losing track of days, on Wednesday afternoon. We, we recorded the conversation on Wednesday afternoon. Um, and when I first conceived of the idea, I was like, well, the season's going to come down to the Knicks and the Celtics. So we, you know, perfect opportunity for us to chat. And then it became clear that, oh, wait, the season might not come down to that last game um, in terms of who gets into the playoffs or not. Um, so, uh, but I still wanted to do the conversation because I found it fascinating that uh, these two teams 
have in a lot of ways kind of switched places in the NBA consciousness where uh, one was the darling that could do no wrong. And the other was the dumpster fire that uh, you just had to get away from. And now those roles have kind of been switched. We got very, very much into it. It's a, it, we had a lot of fun talking and um, just, but again, um, we spoke before the Celtics blew a game against the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Cavaliers of Cleveland, Andy Varejao. Andy Varejao beat the Celtics and his stupid floppy hair. Um, so that happened after we we spoke. So you won't hear us reference the fact that the Celtics blew that game and that's how the Knicks got in the playoffs. You won't hear us reference the Knicks being solidly in the playoffs yet, but the conversation is still relevant nonetheless. So Adam Taylor coming up. Um, before we get there, really one brief aside, um, Adam, uh, uh, Adam, Andrew, I need more sleep. Andrew, you there, buddy? I am here. What's up, John? Um, I I decided the only appropriate uh, time to tell you this news. Oh no! Was what are you gonna on, tell me? And you're gonna have to keep this in the pod now because I just did that. Okay. Whole so you know how um, my wife has a a sister that had a kid recently. Okay. Yes. So, uh, he's like I don't know what he is. Six months old, five, six, seven months old, something like that. Okay. So the, so the kid is uh, is is getting christened. Um, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> what day am I working? <laughs> well, no, hold on. We're no, listen. Okay. It's eight oh, years. No. Hold oh, on. Hold okay. on. Okay. Walk me through this. I think I know where this is going. Yeah, you know where it's going. Uh, the christening is Sunday. Not not this Sunday, not not um, the day that they're finishing the season. The following Sunday, the sun, the first Sunday, the first weekend of the playoffs. So potentially you're missing. Poten- game no, no listen, the there's, listen, don't don't throw the word missing. Okay, because no one's missing. <laughs> potentially we, you will not be working. I didn't say that either. I okay. just, I just, I, there, there, there's, there's going to be some. There may be some creative watching going on. There may be some, oh, wait, where where Jonathan goes? He Oh, he had a stomach issue. He's in the bathroom. Really? He's been in the bathroom for a long time. So when uh, is it? Next Sunday? Next Sunday at, th- I think it's at 3.15 or 3.30. So can we make a call? into like, you're a big deal now. Can we call up Adam Silver and request that well, next game one is next Saturday? I'm, I'm, listen, there are, there are, as best as I could tell, there are, six time slots where the, I'll be in the clear. It's oh, the four Saturday games and then the two late games on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I, I will, I think I should be also able to navigate around the early start on Sunday. That should not be, it's it, the, the one that's going to be the, the kicker is if it's the prime time, like which, but again, I guess there's part, part of the, something I wanted to ask you about because what are the odds they put the Knicks in the, I think, is it the 330 slot on Sunday? Is that the slot? That's so it's going to be a 330 slot is what I've thought. Cause I, when I go back to the last time they made the playoffs 2013 and the Knicks Celtics opened the playoffs on Saturday, like the first game was Knicks Celtics. So okay. that's my thought is they either want to start if the Knicks have home court with welcome to the NBA playoffs, the Madison Square Garden is the place where they kick things off. Oh, see, I I completely well. Okay, if the Knicks have home court and they're playing the Hawks, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but if it's Knicks Heat, they'll play up the re- rivalry of the '90s, Pat Riley against the Knicks. And I think Good. also if it's Knicks Bucks, 
um, the odds are that they put it in that prime that that slot the the key slot on Saturday the three mm-hmm. or Sunday excuse me the three thirty slot on Sunday because I think that's I think whether it's an so and we should also mention Nick's Nets is still a possibility. It's possible if it's Nick's Nets. I think you're also going to be in the clear because they'll put I, that on Sunday afternoon after that three thirty. They'll put that at six. Oh, see, I disagree. I think the three don't they usually put the better game at three thirty? It's true because then you get the West Coast. I'm forgetting they, there's two West Coast games that are going to have to happen. So at, I think. All right, Knicks, so yeah, you're probably I'm if fucked. it's Knicks okay. Nets, you you well, might be screwed as well. Well, hold on. I think if it's Knicks Nets, I'm screwed. I think if it's I think if it's Knicks Bucks, I'm screwed because think what what's the better for? Unless you want to tell me it's just LeBron is going to get that slot because he's LeBron, which is entirely possible, and maybe they do the Knicks lead into LeBron. Well, I mean, the, the the better question I'm going to ask you now is, are we sure LeBron's going to have a playoff game to play next Saturday or Sunday? Well, we, okay, so we probably, then I guess it's relevant to say, <laughs> I guess it's relevant to say we're, we're recording this at uh, Thursday. That's um, true. Yes. Before, before Thursday's games. Um, nothing with the Knicks is going to be decided on Thursday night. No. Um, do the... Cause, so if the Lakers lose one more game or if the Blazers win one more game, then it solidifies the um, the Lakers as the play as a playing team. Yes. Yes. And that almost happened on Wednesday night with the, with the Lakers really trying very hard to blow that game. You can look yeah. at the last two games the Lakers played, obviously the Nick game, but the yeah. Lakers are escaping are, are keeping their hopes to not play in the play in with the skin of their teeth right now, which yeah, I mean, Portland has a couple there. Neither of Portland's uh, games that they have left mm-hmm. uh, unless yeah, are gimmies. It's Phoenix and it's Denver. Now there's the possibility, and and Zach Lowe talked about this on his podcast this week. Uh, there's a possibility of chicanery, where that's concerned with maybe does Denver lose on purpose to try mm-hmm. to avoid the Lakers? So that's on the table. Um, but we will, we may have an there may be an answer to this already by the time this pod comes out because the uh, Portland Phoenix is is tonight. In any case, um, the, listen. I don't know what ref they're going to have to assign to that play. <laughs> the, the Lakers are going to make the play. <laughs> I, you're, you're probably right. I think if it's, if it's Lakers, Utah, or Lakers, Phoenix, because I'm resigned to the fact that the Lakers are going to play, are going to be the seven seed. They are. Yeah. Either the seven or the eight, which means LeBron, Chris Paul probably gets the six o'clock slot on Sunday. And you yeah. could get Knicks bucks or Knicks, whoever, if it's the three thirty game on, on I think Sunday. the only way we don't get the Knicks in that three thirty game is if it's Knicks Hawks. And then I think maybe the NBA puts that on the, in the early spot on Saturday. Isn't this nice though? We now know for a fact there will be, <laughs> we, we have a week off where we're just going to work on content. And yeah. now we get a week to think about who we're going to play next weekend. It's just wild. Yeah. It's absolutely wild. I love it. I I don't know what what do do. We, should we talk about preferences before we get to Adam? So I've so I've, oh, there's three big questions I think okay. surrounding the playoffs, and sure. the first one is what do you think is going to happen? And in your gut, who do you think we're playing in the first round? And you've you've studied the schedule. You 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 see who's playing who and who's got what next left I, oh, on the I know schedule. I know what do you think's gonna happen I know all gonna with a you gonna um, exactly gonna with a you I I know I know all the permutations what I don't know is who's who's gonna win these games I mean again you're, you're listening to this after that is a gut game. reaction yeah gut feeling if you're asking my gut feeling I'd be lying if I said the Knicks end up 
fourth. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we agree. I think they're going to be the sixth seed. Now, yeah. the better question, if we're, we can now get into fantasy land, what do you want? Like, who do you, of all the opponents, and I put a poll up on the yeah, I saw that. KFS account. Now, I did it with a point because I knew how it was going to go. And I, I just, I wanted that data available yeah. when we recorded because I, I have some, I have a take. Well, okay. you're, you're smart for wanting that data, mm-hmm. um, because I'm gonna. So it's, I swear we, me and you did not talk about. We that. haven't talked about this, but I think we're headed in the same direction. Well, I spent my entire morning working on a newsletter uh, for tomorrow, for Friday today, as you're listening to this, um, on between the Bucks and the Hawks, who should the Knicks want to play? Um, and I was doing some, some digging, um, in terms of stats. I, it's so funny. I was just like, how do I, how do I access the stats? And then I realize I'm looking at the laptop that the stats are written <laughs> down on. Um, so do you want to take a guess as to, uh-huh. since Nate McMillan took March, over as head um, coach, March 1st. Okay. March for what? Well, yeah. His first game he coached was March 2nd. Um, there have been over that time, 103 NBA foursomes. So like groups of four players who Mm -hmm. have played at least 200 minutes together. You with me? So over a hundred, where do you think in terms of net rating does the Clint Capella, Trey Young, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Kevin Herter foursome rank again? Is it, is it number one? It's number two. Okay. They are outscoring that foursome in in two hundred and twenty five minutes over, um, over however many games it's been since March first, and it's and they've missed some games because some some guys have been banged up a little bit, but still a lot of minutes. Um, are outscoring teams by twenty two point four points per hundred possessions. The only foursome that is ahead of them is uh, one of the Utah uh, foursomes, and they and Utah's miles ahead of the rest of the league in terms of of efficiency. Um. The Trey Young Clint Capella duo since that time is like, I mean, it's 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 like they're they're playing in an empty gym. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of like Nick fans, be careful what you wish for. Um, I'm right there with you. Now it's in a different spin because I want Miami, but. I, I'm with you that I don't want. I think we're overrating, or Knicks fans are underrating how good the Hawks are because they went three and zero against them. My answer is still I want the Hawks. <laughs> oh, I want Miami. Really? So you have to sell this one to me because even even with all that, I, I also acknowledge, and this is again based on the research, the Knicks like see the Hawks and it's like cupcakes on the floor. They just, and this is going back to last season too. They shoot the lights out of the ball against the team. And I'm not sure the Hawks, anything the Hawks could do can stop the Knicks. Now, does that mean they're going to have to win 130 to 128 games? Maybe. But can they win four of those? Yeah, I think they probably win four of those. Anyway, make your case for well, Miami. So are we just going to like ignore the fact that if Trey Young doesn't get hurt in the Hawks game, the Hawks were running away with the game in the they second half? They weren't running away. That's my alarm to remind you. You just too. mentioned the Clint Capella, Trey Young combo that was giving any combat Knicks had at center fits all night. It was unstoppable. And then when Trey Young left the game, I, the Knicks listen, were finally able to make a run. It, I'm not saying the Knicks couldn't have come back anyway and win the game. I don't I think they win know, it. If, I was preparing no, I don't for think, us to have to 
do a recap of the end of the losing streak that I night. don't think they win it if Trey Young doesn't go down one and two Bogdanovich didn't play in a second game um so yeah you know it's like these are all fair points I'm just you're asking me to pick between bad options and I I think the Haw- whereas some so, here's the thing whereas some think the Hawks like oh it's the Hawks we'll walk all over the Hawks. No, no 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 but I'll still take them over the alternative options which is why I'm curious to hear your your heat take so I, I literally just sent the reply on Twitter about this so the Hawks as you mentioned since Nate McMillan got hired are 25 and 11 which yeah. is the fourth best record in the NBA they're third, third and three point ones, yeah. third and three point percentage which is right behind the Knicks which you know the Knicks it'll be a shootout if whatever if they did have to play that series but what's given the Knicks fits all season a team that can yeah. hit threes yeah. and they're just a completely different team with Nate McMillan and that's just my take on the Hawks. As far as the Heat go, they still have a negative net rating for the season. The yep. whole season, if you look at it, they're the team that had the shortest offseason next to the Lakers, haven't had a realistic break since July. And I'm sorry, they're not playing in the in the LA Fitness playoffs anymore. This isn't going to be a bubble. They're going to wow. have to go on a legitimate road game. Hold so, on, I didn't I didn't know that was going to be I needed to get my sunglasses for the the the, the shade um my and goodness. look, like what's going to take all the, the, the actual research and breakdown that we did. If you're going to advance in the first round, if like this dream scenario where the Knicks are playing in the second round, do you want to say you beat Trey Young in the Hawks or you that you dethroned the <sighs> Eastern Conference champions? Because I think it's going to be an uphill battle either way. Give me the team that hasn't had a legitimate break since July and give me the team that's a legitimate rival that goes back to the 90s. Look, if you're asking me, like, I, I'm speaking from the perspective of, like, what's the team I think they could have the best chance of beating? In terms of if we're bringing other considerations into it, like, what's the team, like, we want, mm-hmm. I guess, you know. So why can't the Knicks have a legitimate chance of beating I'm not saying the they Heat? Can. I'm not and saying it, they Especially when you chance. add in the Derrick Rose factor that – he didn't play in the first game against the I Heat. Know. The second game against the Heat was his first his first game. He only yeah. played 20 minutes. And the third game against the Heat, he played 26 minutes. And it was his second game back from COVID. Two weeks later, started this rotation where he plays the entire second quarter, the entire second half. Yeah. I'd like to see that version of the Knicks against this Heat team. One and two, like as far as best players go, Bam and Butler are better than any two-player combination the Knicks have. I think the Knicks have the edge three through 10 though. I, I, I get what you're saying. And I get the argument for, Oh, that's why the alarm just went off. Cause I have the uh, pregame press conference. Oh, we'll um, be quick then. <laughs> that's okay. We'll finish up. Um, I, I know the heat's three point shooting number has, it has been inconsistent this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I do to a certain extent, trust a little that, that institutional memory. Um, I think, I have a lot of respect for Duncan Robinson. Um, I kill me for it, Nick fans, if you want. But guess who's been heating up? Um, the guy we don't like to talk about here in New York because um, he he's always compared. Well, he is compared in some circles to R.J. Barrett, but um, that annoying kid um, who who fancies himself, uh, you know, a rock star. He's he's, he's starting to heat up now, um, and I ju- I don't know. I just have a lot of. I just have a lot of respect for the franchise. I have a lot of respect for for the coach. Um, like Tibbs, like Tibbs is going to out coach Mike Budenholzer. 
Probably anybody but Spolstra, he'll but outcoach. Yeah, yeah, like even by by a narrow margin, he'll outcoach Nate McMillan. He ain't out, no one outcoaches Eric Spolstra. I don't give you fuck. Give me Pop. Give, whoever the fuck you want to say. No one's outcoaching Eric, Eric Spolstra. I mean, he may be equal to Eric Spolstra, but mm-hmm. so and, and then Jimmy. I just you're asking me why I don't want the. That's why, Jimmy. It's if like look, I'm not saying that they will beat the Heat. I'm saying give me the Knicks in first to 100, which is what that series would be, then in attempting to win a shootout against a team that's barely been outshot over the last 36 games. Well, that's, look, over- I think I think overall people are just underrating how good the Hawks are. And yeah, it's, well, I don't want the Heat. We went 0-3 against them, but we went 3-0 against the Hawks without realizing these are different versions of all three teams than when the Knicks played all of them. Well, let me just give you one more stat. Um, mm-hmm. Over the last 15 games, the Heat, with Jimmy Butler on the floor, are outscoring teams by 7.1 points for 100 possessions. When Jimmy Butler is off the floor, the Heat are getting outscored by three points per 100 possessions. So basically what you're asking is, do do are, is Jimmy Butler playing like Tibbs minutes, like old school Tibbs minutes in the mm-hmm. first round against the Knicks? Is he playing, you know, 2020 bubble finals minutes against the Knicks in the first round? Maybe, maybe the Knicks, you know, only see him for 32, 34 minutes a night. And this is a different conversation. They can make up enough ground during those minutes. Butler's off the floor. I don't know. I, um, whatever. I, so that's, so there's one more question is I think we, it's the same answer. What, what do you think the NBA wants? And it's, it's gotta be Knicks nets. The NBA wants New York to play Brooklyn, those stars to play this team in the first round and in 3-6. And if Harden is healthy, I'm a little concerned about our chances in that series. Well, listen, I'm not... As far as winning a game, at least. I'm not not sitting here and I'm not going to analyze with fully fully healthy Brooklyn team because it's just like... That's my biggest fear because this season has started to become fun because of the race for the play-in. And my fear is that Brooklyn's all of a sudden going to be healthy and we're going to be sitting here like game like this, like game two of the 2017 playoffs where the Warriors put up like 140 on the Blazers. And it's like, this is stupid. The Warriors are going to win it all. And I think we're going to be sitting here if Brooklyn's healthy. At least that's my fear is that this is all going to be pointless and that Brooklyn's going to win it all. Listen, I'm not saying that because I do think the notion that Brooklyn could just put these guys together for the playoffs after they've played seven games together and with Kyrie experiencing whatever he has, a facial thing. Right. I agree with you on that part that it's not likely. I'm just saying my fear is we're going to sit here a week into the playoffs and be like, this looks unstoppable. I, 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 no, I, I think they're. I think they're. If if you if all those guys are on the floor, and quite frankly, I'm even if all three of them aren't on the floor, if Kevin Durant and one of the other two guys is on the floor and able to play, I think we're going to be sitting here at some point during the postseason, and we're going to say like, oh shit, this is just going to be a march. Um, you know, that said, I agree with you. That's the series the NBA would want. Um, I'm actually curious how much the rest of the country would really care about that series. Um, obviously, in New York, it would it would. Mm-hmm. Get a lot of draw, um, but I almost wonder, you know, if it was Knicks Bucks, um, because I think there's a, you know, I think there's a better chance that series goes goes longer, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's the it's the two time MVP versus um, this team that if there's anybody that could stop them, may, you know, maybe it's him, maybe it's Tibbs and, and the Knicks. So it's gonna be interesting, um, a lot on the table, and and it's gonna not get decided until the weekend. For those who don't know. Um, both games um, this weekend, Charlotte and um, 
Boston uh, going to be one o'clock p.m. Saturday and Sunday. And um, is yeah. that what you wanted? <laughs> one p.m. starts, or did you want something later? No, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy. Okay, good. Um, Me too. Yeah, I'm happy about that. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, anything else before we get to? I think that's it. Get your New York We Here Playoff Edition shirts at the yes. merch store. Shout out to Jeremy and Ernie and I guess Chris for making all this possible. Um, yes. Mine. I, if you order today, they're on sale. And I'm saying this when this pod comes out on Friday. They are on sale 30% off all New York. Well, okay. The t-shirts are 30% off. Yes. All New York We Here Playoff Edition merch, though, is a percentage off on the Public site uh, until midnight tonight. So... Get yours now. It'll get to you for the playoffs, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, it will. Um, yeah. So that's- and as I said to you last night, because that got sprung on us last minute, the, <laughs> a live stream. Um, congratulations, John. This congratulations is your you. first your first playoff as a Knicks con. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed content creator and on behalf of everybody you and i we have earned this so enjoy it we have earned this and i for anybody who didn't catch the live stream afterwards uh i I rarely go tell you to listen to something that's just me talking but um go go check that out because that was fun and it was it was fun not as much for anything i said but it was fun because people um generously contributing uh their comments and and uh nick's nick's ptsd memories over the last bunch of years um into the chat which um it was it was quite a walk down memory lane so uh check that out joining me now on the Nick's film school podcast this is someone that um i've certainly spent no Jer- i've spent more time podcasting with jeremy cohen over the last year and change than this person but he's i think you're a close second um i'm up there man you're you're right there um he is uh he provides words thoughts um uh takes um hot and cold in between um everything you could possibly want for celtics blog um which of course we're talking to him today because um the season is coming down the wire and uh, the knicks and the celtics are I don't know. I think there, there, there's a conversation here. I think we need to have a conversation about the Knicks and the Celtics. Um, so Adam Taylor, um, welcome to what is it? Is this your? Th- no, I was going to say, is this your second or third time on this podcast? I've been on uh, yours twice. Yeah. I think. I think this is number two for me. This is number two for you. And then obviously yeah. we, we've had multiple podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> for anybody who doesn't know, we we hosted uh, it was Hoop Spy at first, and then it went over to Talk Basket, and then we then we um, retired that as as things got a little little too crazy. Um, but why not why not shoot the shit? Because I've got Adam? some takes off those shows that um, came to fruition, dude. You do? Oh my god! Do you still have our over unders for before the season? Uh, I can find them. Well, I did. Well, I should, probably should have told you that about that beforehand. I think my gut feeling uh, or my 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 recollection is that whatever my take on the Celtics was is that it was lukewarm. Like I was like, I don't feel strongly about the over or the under. Um, I was a strong over on the Knicks, so that that is on record somewhere out there in the ether. You were over on the Knicks too. I've been more high on the Knicks than pretty than much me. most yeah. Knicks fans. No, yeah. you you have been. And what were you? I'm trying to remember. What was your take on the Celtics before the season even started? Second round exit. Okay. All right. So that's reasonable. Yeah. I was trying to be as um, honest as possible. <laughs> well, you didn't know how honest you were. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's, let's, let's set the stage here. So we are recording this as, as, as I live and breathe. It is 3.40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday. May 12th. So when when people when folks are hearing this, it's going to be um, Friday. So a few things will have happened between now and when folks are listening to this. The Celtics will have played a game in Cleveland against the Cavaliers of Cleveland, which will be a game that Jalen Brown is not playing in. Kemba Walker does not, has not played in. Marcus Smart has not played in. Robert Williams has not played in. Um, did I miss anybody? Boston loose with the name Celtics right now. It's just um, some players contracted to Boston will be taking part in a scrimmage against Cleveland. I don't even know who's playing for the Cavs. Right? I think the Cavs are tr- trotting out their usual complement of. Uh, yeah, that's why know. it's a scrimmage. That's why it's a scrimmage. Um, so um, again, the the there is a chance that when you're listening to this, the by virtue of the Celtics potentially losing that game, the Knicks will have already. Um, clinch the playoff spot because of that. And then of course the Knicks play on uh, Thursday night against the San Antonio Spurs. So there's actually multiple opportunities. Um, and, and of course, all of this is leading up to the final game of the season in which the Knicks and the Celtics play um, maybe with everything on the line, maybe with nothing on the line, maybe with, um, you know, just playoff positioning on the line uh, that remains to be seen. Um, but I wanted to talk to you because whatever, whatever's going to happen with the games is going to happen over the next several days. I just think it's just, it's fascinating. We went into this year and I talk about people who are high on other teams. How high was I on Jason Tatum? I'm pretty sure that you had him like ending the season as like a top five, top eight guy. I, I think when we did our whatever silly rankings we did about like most valuable trade assets or one of our podcasts, I had, I had, I had him second to Luca, right. In terms of guys like under a certain age, I think it was top, top 15 or top five under 25, or we did some, uh, some craziness 13 under 23, something ridiculous that just gave us something to talk about. But I had, I had Tatum second and you know how I think about this, the sport and team building and how much value I place on like, all right, if you have that guy, nothing else fucking matters. Cause if you have the guy, you could figure out all the other shit. Um, well, unless maybe you have Christoph's Porzingis on your team, but that's a topic for a different day. Um, 
No, sh- no, no, no. You don't like the shade, the Dallas shade. I mean, I like the shade. I like the shade. I just, uh, I've, I've, I saw you in train of thought. I was allowing you, and I always make the same joke with Chris Stubbs anyway about being beat up in Lithuania. So uh, it's play, <laughs> it's played out. It's not played out. It'll never be played out. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I was very, I was very high on the Celtics before the season, mostly because of Tatum, but also because you know. Um, Brown, Brad, Brad Stevens. I was, I, I was, did not expect this from Brown, but he's had obviously a great year. Um, and and the Knicks were, we were like, okay, are they going to be this this spunky story? Uh, you know, where they win a, a handful more games than they than they're allotted to win. Um, and now we're sitting here, and I, I guess I'll just start by asking you. It feels from afar that the feeling in Boston or around the Celtics or covering the Celtics, obviously you're not in Boston, but is that like the sky is falling? So let, let's start there. Is, is, is the sky falling? The sky it, fell. A it's, while it's, back. it's gone. Okay. Yeah, it's gone. There's no sky. We're just staring <laughs> up at empty, empty space at this point. Is it black? Is it white? Is it gray? I mean, it's, just... it's just non-existent. There's just a nothingness above us and we can feel <laughs> it closing in. It's like the singularity in reverse. Um, seriously though, like, yeah, it does. And, uh, what shocked me to be quite honest is how quickly everybody turned on Brad Stevens. Oh my God. Yeah. And how vocal that crowd has been for months at this point. Like, um, it's to the point where I actually had to start taking like days off social media because no matter where you turned, it was fire Brad Stevens, Brad, this Brad, that. And I'm just like, this is like the most insane season anyway. Like nothing, people haven't been put in a position to be successful from the get-go and teams that are successful have just figured out how to navigate this year better than other teams have figured out how to navigate this year. Um, So to me, that's the craziest outcome of this whole year is the fire Brad Stevens narrative. But yeah, there's definitely no sky. The sky's gone. It's just, it's so interesting to me. Like, because before the season started, I think there was a a vocal minority, but still a minority of people in the general NBA landscape who were in the camp of like Danny Ainge is overrated. I'm t- I'm sick and tired of hearing about the trades that Danny Ainge didn't make. He has a shitty drafting record. The Celtics are overrated generally, but I think more like the majority of, of national opinion out there about the Celtics was that like, they're one of the premier organizations in the league because of, I mean, they, it was, it's been how many conference finals with, with Tatum? It's uh, two. I think uh, three, if I'm not mistaken. Is it three? Okay. Yeah. And, and, yeah. but and second round appearances and like the whole, the whole, the whole thing. Oh yeah. Wait, they made it to the, it's yeah, they made it to the conference finals last year. Yeah, three conference finals. Three conference finals. Shit, my God. So, like, again, sitting here from from my chair, where the Knicks have not made the conference finals <laughs> since I was since I was a teenager, um, and I'm really fucking old. Uh, you know, it's like I think that's a nice accomplishment. And then you and then you look at the are they doing this with like older vets who aren't going to be around anymore? Are they doing this like no? They're doing this with with Tatum and Brown and like so. It's just amazing to me how quickly that narrative can change. And now it's like, is it fucking Ainge? Is it Stevens? Is Tatum like a selfish player? And they're never like, where where do you, how do you, you're covering this team. How do you go about making 
and then we'll relate it to the Knicks in a second because that's the other side of the coin. How we could flip the other way. How do you how do you go about making heads or tails of like what's happened? Uh, honestly, I have to splash water in my face. Uh, take a look <laughs> in the mirror. No, seriously, yeah. take a look in the mirror and kind of just be like, look at this objectively. Look at it for for what it is. Uh, a shortened season where every team has had their struggles. Um, then you've got. You have like, okay, so Tatum's missed time, Brown's missed time, Brown gets shut down for the season, Rob Williams, as Rob, in true Rob Williams fashion, in and out of the season. All oh, come time. on. Don't don't be harsh on Time Lord. We, we, it's true, I, dude. You know I'm a Time Lord fan. I'm a big Time Lord fan. But I know you are. You're the best, uh, what was it? The Brad Stevens best ability is, is, is availability. Yeah. And that's yeah. true to a big extent. I think for me, like um, I'm very happy with the draft prospects that we bought in, in terms of Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Nismith. Yeah, I was about to say Nesmith, Nesmith, I was watching him. What was it? The, where is it? The Spurs game where he was raining hellfire and, and uh, yeah, he's just yeah. insane. He just yeah. likes to throw his body everywhere, dude. Yeah. Um, Honestly, for me, I think it's been very much a disjointed roster, very top-heavy. It was con- it was constructed to have high-level talent at the top end of the roster and yeah. then a sheer drop towards absolute obscurity once you got past like the seventh man on that rest- on that rotation. And then you 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 know it's not an excuse. A lot of teams have been through this. Uh, you have your COVID issues, you have your general injuries. And when you don't have the back at the talent at the back end of that rotation, uh, there's not much you can really do about it. Everything. It's not going to work out very well when you're relying on Grant Williams to play um, power forward and he cannot defend a power forward to save his life. Um, so, nah, dude, he gets blown by so much. He's a small ball five and he's stuck in that. Yeah. He's kind of, he's, he's not, quick enough to be a four and he's not big enough to be a five so he's in that tweener zone and he just hasn't figured out how to exist there at the moment um for me it's just going to be it's going to go down as a bad season uh if i'm going to blame anyone i've kind of said that i'm putting uh 50 on danny ainge and then 30 percent on the team 20 percent on stevens because you can only coach what you've got yeah a lot of this has been effort related uh, the team just giving up or not putting in a, a decent shift as you will, you know? And uh, for me, that's, I get the head coach is meant to motivate, but at the same time, you're getting paid 30, 20, 10, $5 million a year. You should be motivated anyway, man. Well, yeah, but hold on on that because so relating this to the Knicks, it, the Knicks have had good player. They haven't had a Jason Tatum level building block over the last, 20, well, I mean, at that age, they really haven't had Jason Tatum level building blocks since, since Ewing was young, because obviously Mello was already, um, what was he, 26, 27 when we got him. Um, so, but they've had talent, and you you look at the teams over the end, whether it's because of organizational dysfunction or that combined with, you know, coaching and just like GM and coach not being on the same timeline or all any of this shit. It's like, we, we could constantly point to year after year after year of like whatever the Knicks are doing, it just wasn't working. Like the, 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 the whole was less than the sum of the parts, right? That, uh, did I get that right? I think I got that right. Um, <laughs> you're laughing at me. Um, the whole was less than, always the whole was less than some of the parts. And this year has been, the, if, if, if like there's a lot of euphemisms and things you could throw around about what this Knicks season has, has really meant and, and how we will remember it. For me, I'm looking at it as like, 
not so much that Thibodeau has maxed out each of the players on the roster. It's that he has figured out how to make the players on the roster fit cohesively at both ends of the floor to the point that now when you sit and watch a Nick game, I can see, I can say, I know what I'm going to see and say it's going to be Nick's basketball. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way where I'm, I'm making a joke. So, and, and so let's get back to the Celtics. The talent is there. I don't think Tatum's an unselfish player at the top. I just went and looked at his assist totals over his last six, seven games. He's averaging like five, six, seven assists over that time. Or, you know, it, so we're, and I keep hearing like they don't play make. There's no, there's no flow to the offense. Like who that has to fall on somebody. Yeah. And that's a definitely falls on Stevens. As far as I'm concerned, like um, I will say, like Tatum's playmaking has improved, but it's forced. They're definitely trying to develop that from him. Uh, for me, okay. a lot of the... And so he's not generating offense for others. He, it's more like... They're feeding, he's feeding that offense through okay. just by virtue of being the most high usage guy. He's that's one okay. of the predominant ball handlers. Yeah, and that's, that's been fair. the issue with Kemba Walker all year. Kemba's having to learn to be this third option on a team and operate far more off ball than what he's ever had to before. And there's been some teething issues there. The offense is slow. Tatum as a player, um, kind of like his personality, he's very much, he'll do everything in his own time. You're not rushing him, but that affects tempo because he, where you want, um, when this team's at its best, it's sprinting the floor and it's like they did against Miami um, yesterday. They the, ran the, the, they, the second Miami game where yeah. they were, that, that was a great, it was a, right in that game for three quarters. For three quarters. But if yeah. you look at it and you look at like when the ball's in Kemba's hands or Pritchard's hands and the speed of getting up and getting into that set and actually being in an offensive motion and then watch when the ball hits Tatum's hands and how long it takes to get into that same motion. There's a huge okay. disparity. Um, the other That's thing is well, reminds me a lot like mellow during the later. Yeah. I've kind of said it, it reminds me a bit of mellow. I will say a lot of his assists as well are um, bailout passes. Like he'll drain 12 to 14 seconds off that clock. Okay. Um, in an ISO or just trying to break somebody down off the dribble when he realizes shit, it's not working. That's when he will hit the pass. So I'd say like if he gets seven, three or four of them will be, uh, he got lucky. He, he just found the right man at the right yeah. time. It wasn't like they've, he's created that assist. And, and if you're a, if you're a wing player, a guard or a wing, um, or in, I guess, or Julius Randle, although, his, but Julius Randle's different because his assists are like, he's generating offense. Um, but like for, like, for instance, RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett's averaging over three assists a game. I've watched all of his assists this year. Some of them excellent. He's actually b- made leaps and bounds as a playmaker, but you could go back and look at his assists over the first half of the season. And there wasn't a ton where he's like, the one really generating the offense. He's benefiting from like the balls in his hands because he's in the game a lot and he's going to just pass it to the guy next to him. And the guy's going to you know hit a three or whatever. So yeah, different, different type of assists. I, I hear you. Yeah. And I will say like, he's a, his understanding of when to make those passes, um, like recognition, like that game recognition has improved a bunch this year, just because okay. he's had to do that. But for me, like, um, it's been this year was for me personally. And I said this on my podcast uh, back in the off season was always going to be a development year. You knew that you yeah. had to put Kemba in an off ball position because his knees just wouldn't be able to take the well, usage rate. Um, and I think he's kind of disproved that somewhat over the last few weeks, but you know, he's, he hasn't played back to backs all year. So there's no rhythm. And 
for me, I mean, Brad's, as we're recording this, he's got 30 points in three of his last four games and he's shooting the, the lights out of the ball. Yeah, he's been excellent, absolutely outstanding. Uh, but there's been stretches where he's gone one for 13 from deep in the game. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's took him a while to get back to where he is. For me, it's just all been about Brad Stevens not figuring out what pieces of the puzzle go where. But it's also been about Brad, Danny Ainge giving Brad Stevens the wrong shape pieces for the well, puzzle. Okay. So let's, I, because, here's why this is fa- it's fascinating to me from a narrative perspective which we we talked about already it's also fascinating to me from a team building perspective because like if you looked at the Knicks roster before the season if anybody told you by, that by the end of the season that anyone would have said like oh my god you know they really got the right mix of guys for Tom Thibodeau if someone said that before the year it would have been fucking insane. You would have you would have been putting a, a loony bit. <laughs> this they, is where Brad Stevens hates coming from. No, but like the right mix of guys, like they got it's a scrap heap of guys. Like these yep. guys, you know what right mix? Like, but but yet now we look at it and it's like, oh, perfect. Reggie Bullock flies around, quick release. He's your he's your deep ball threat. You know, RJ Barrett picks up a little of the secondary, um, you know, playmaking responsibilities during you know in. The, whether he's with the starters, with the subs, like Derek Rose, he's essentially now their second engine to Julius. And then Randall being what Randall's become. Like all these guys have their role, you know, centers to, to a man, whether it's Mitch, um, Noel, Taz, like they know what they're doing. Like they, and they do what they're supposed to do. Like everybody plays their role and, and Tibbs has made it work. But yet for me to, I, I, what am I going to, am I sitting here and I'm saying that Tom Thibodeau is now suddenly an eminently better coach than Brad Stevens. Cause that doesn't seem accurate. Like it's, so, but so I guess my point is to go back to what you said. Like, what were there really? Like these are, do these supporting pieces matter that much? I guess they do. If I'm if I'm hearing you correctly, yeah. For me, it's like everyone looks at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown as these like all stars, and it's easy to think these guys are finished products and mm-hmm. they're they're super consistent and they're just not that yet. Um, they have spurts of consistency but then you also have spurts where Jason Tatum averages 12 points and he's shooting 38% from the field overall Um, so I don't think if these two guys were at their peak in terms of they've figured out how to be consistent Mm. like the best way to look at it is like if you talk about a bad game for James Harden or Kawhi or whoever a bad game is like you still open up the box score and they got 20, 25, 30 points. And you're like, but they played like trash. If I say yeah. Jason Tatum had a bad game and I open up the box score, we're looking at like 14 on like well, one of 17 shooting. So that's where he didn't get to yet because Harden, I know he's been out forever, but like Harden's one of those guys, like the literally the worst Harden game, he's still helping his team. In regular season games, playoff games, maybe we could have a different conversation, but like how many guys are really in that category? It's Harden, it's LeBron, it's Doncic now. Um, KD's got to be in there. Okay, yeah, KD for sure. Kawhi. Um, Steph. Yeah. Ka- Kawhi? Yeah, but Kawhi, see, to me, Kawhi is the apex version of where it seems like Tatum is headed as opposed, because, like, to me, Tatum is not, he's not headed on the Doncic path because Doncic is like, he, he just makes life easier for everybody around no matter what the hell he's doing. He can go yeah. eight for, for 25 
and he, the team is going to be massively better because of his presence. Whereas Tatum, if he, if he has that sort of game, it's not. So I think to, to me, I put Kawhi kind of in this different. I think the difference with Kawhi is Kawhi has so few terrible games, except he's in a bit of a slump now, but like, I don't know. I think the list is like, unless I'm forgetting, I think the list is like five players long. Um, Embiid kind of in his own weird way. I guess Giannis Jokic possibly. Yo, yo, oh my God. How can we fit my Jesus Christ? Talk about <laughs> You see, um, I think there's, I think yeah, if, no, you look at any team, if you look at any team with true Chris Paul's another guy who could fit oh, in and Jimmy Butler. So yeah. I think that's, I think we just now named and then like Dame. So maybe like there's like 10 guys. Yeah. That's but it. if you look at any team that's in a championship contention window, they have one of those. They have guys. one of those guys. Yeah. And I think that everybody sees this from Tatum. They see the 60 point scoring nights. They see the fact that he's a two time all star now. And that's expected of him. When you've got a player like that, I do believe that your role players become less impactful towards winning. Uh, but right now, when you're kind of, you don't know what type of performance you're getting from your primary offense you, mm. those role, role players in my opinion hold much more value because yeah. you just don't know if Tatum's having a That's rough a really night point. you need someone coming off the bench to kind of shore it all up um, yeah like Randall it's interesting because like on Randall's bad nights I'm not going to say he's still like there's been a few times this year where he's like not helped the team. I could count them on one hand and I'll have fingers left over. Like even his bad shooting nights, he's still figuring out ways to, to be helpful. I'm not putting him in the category. I think yet of some, some of the other guys we mentioned, but he's like, he's right there. And that's, what's been so encouraging. And maybe that's the difference. Maybe it's that we have Randall and you have Tatum. And like, even though yes, is Tatum a more gifted scorer than Randall? Probably sure. Yeah. Um, But you know, in terms of like who is better for, for these teams. Um, it's interesting. The, so I want to talk about Kemba real quick. Cause the Knicks again, now at this point are feeling great. What, whatever happens over the next several days. That's like, been fantastic. It, they should feel great. Wait, I'm not complaining. Let's just say that. I'm not <laughs> I love your, by the way, I love your post game shows after you win. Um, oh God. They're some of my uh, favorite like content to consume in the mornings. Is just uh, I log on, I see the Knicks one, and then I see Jonathan Macri just having like it's this just, like childish glee, just like everywhere across Twitter. And I'm like, I have to watch it because it's, it's been a long time. It's been a long time coming. It's like you know when a kid opens that toy you really wanted at Christmas, <laughs> and like he just feels like he's gonna explode in his face. Like he's just hot containing that like ridiculous amount of happiness. Yeah. That that's exactly what it is, man. Why contain it? Just let it let it flow. Um, so yes, that is us. That is the Knicks this season, and it's been fantastic. And yet, everybody agrees um, this is not a roster that is 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 going to be able to contend for for a championship. And yet, and yet, if you look at like, okay, what's the obvious upgrade? A point guard. Okay, great. What kind of a point guard? A point guard who is going to be able to generate his own offense but at the same time is going to make life easier for other people and is going to distribute the ball and the whole thing. Um, if you had asked me before the season, like is Kemba Walker, that type of player, I would have been like, yeah, he, I did ask you. You And I, now I did not want the con- The contract is a different story. Oh yes. Which, and the knees are also, a, a, although I guess it's been an oblique, he's he's banged up um whatever that's that's a separate that's a separate issue but just like in theory in terms of like what type of player he is you know um 
it, you, you would have thought like, but you see like him going to the Celtics this year. And again, to your point, there's been injuries. The roster fit is like not ideal with the surrounding pieces. I'm just, I'm thinking like, are this, are this year's Celtics a cautionary tale for how the Knicks should approach their off season in terms of targeting. Cause they, I mean, obviously they need a point guard because Derek, I don't think they plan on starting Derek Rose next year. And, and Alfred Payton um, again, the rocket ship, as I have been fond of saying of late cannot, cannot be built fast enough. Um, so I don't know. Do, do you feel like you you still would do the Kemba thing over again? No, for me, I've always felt like Kemba was in this entire rebuild. I feel like everything has been very meticulous. Um, the players that they've acquired, the players that they've targeted, have all been part of look a meticulous team team building plan. Kemba's the one exception. To me, Kemba was the panic acquisition, the one where they yeah because it was Kyrie left. Kyrie went to Brooklyn. Um, Terry Rozier had literally just been on ESPN like and burnt every bridge in Boston possible. Oh, I remember that. That was glorious, by the way. And uh, yeah, dude, it was amazing. Um, and then that double sign and trade happened. So it was Terry Rozier got signed and traded to Charlotte, and they got and Boston got Kemba Walker back to be able to fill some of that scoring that you'd lost when Kyrie left. So I do think that that was um, I wouldn't say it was a panic acquisition. I think that's harsh, but I think it was um an opportunistic acquisition where due diligence kind of went by the wayside in terms of um, how many miles were on the clock, what his actual fit with the team would be. Sure. I just think that that was the one where they acted before they decided, before they actually looked at the full roster construction and thought to themselves, in the next couple of years, where does he slot in with this? How does the money work? They just went, we need a point guard. We cannot keep Terry now because he's basically walking around with a big FU t-shirt on every day he's still here. Um, so that was the one mistake in my eyes. I Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting because I, I, I don't, he has, it's two years left. So it's not like it's a ton of years, but it's 72 mil, 72.5. That's, that's not nothing. To be fair, the final year's a player option, but there's no way you turn down $36 million, 37, sorry. I mean, you never say never nowadays. He's, what is he? 30, 31, 32. I mean, he's around I, the, now. I mean, Hayward turned it down and went and signed a, a hundred and something million, but that's different. Well, is it though? Hayward was in, had a lot of injury issues over the years, and he then he did. Had, he did. And I mean, you can't even say he had one healthy season because he had injury issues last year too. And <laughs> and um and it's it's been nice seeing him in a very nice suit on the on the bench for the last uh, two months for the for the Hornets. You get what you um, pay for. What's it? <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I don't, I don't, I don't know that anything Kemba could do over the next however many games the Celtics have left in the season is going to, is going to make that contract any more tradable, especially it's like, where, where's the team, right? Where's the team that's like, Oh yeah, give me that. You know, I I will say that he's operating more since he's been really good. He's been operating as a two guard, not a one. He's been playing off of Evan Fournier. Um, So then, but how does that work? In what sense? Okay, great. So he's he's channeling his inner two two guardness. His inner his inner Ray Allen. That's his inner Ray Allen. There you go. Perfect. We we've already talked about Tatum's maybe not so idealized, uh, you know, playmaking. Uh, Jalen Brown's Jalen Brown. He's become 
made progress as a playmaker, but like, so who's, so it's like, okay, the Celtics still need a point guard, I guess at that point. Well, they're looking, they're running it through Evan Fournier when the ball's not in Tatum's hands coming up. Man. Um, they're using Evan Fournier as a distributor. That's a, that's a lot of Fournier for. for He's my... been excellent, but I will say he this. Been like, good. Uh, He's been good. When I look at the Knicks, I think that one of the biggest disparities between the Knicks and the Celtics at the moment is the Knicks have figured out how to play off of each other instead of with each other. Well, they, they do that perfectly. Yeah. And I think that's the, a big indicating factor of, um, team chemistry and team success on a, on a short term scale, a yes. short to midterm. Um, I think if you look at Boston, they play with each of our pause instead of, um, I've just learned what that means. So I thought I'd use it. Um, oh, <laughs> whereas, you know, they should be playing off of one another and Kemba's figured out how to play off of Evan Fournier. And since those two have kind of figured that out, they're both, in the mid twenties to thirties a night type of performances, but it has come from Kemba being an off ball guy. So I don't know how much value he holds going back to being that primary ball handler. Yeah. I think if, the, if, if you could pinpoint one difference between the two teams this season from, from what I gather, just from looking at Celtics Twitter, which I occasionally do and just like reading, reading stuff, listening to you and all that is like, there's a lot of Celtics games where, the consensus is like there was a lot of shots that like, that's not a great shot. That's not the best shot you could have taken on this possession. Whereas with the Knicks again, knock on wood that this continues very rarely. Is there a possession where you're like, that was not a good shot. Like the shots may not always go in and there may be some ISOs and things that like it misses, but like you get it. Like if you've been watching this team the whole, the whole season, like you get it, you get the logic, you get the rhythm that they're in, you get what they're going for. Um, and I think the fact that the offense has improved as the season's gone on is is, is proof of that. Um, a couple more, and then I uh, I've just been, been told it's it's uh, dinner time. We you know we eat early over here. I know you know that from from our old scheduling conversation. It's crazy how early you guys eat dinner. Because that's you know what it's I I don't know if other people with small kids do this, but we like our dinner time is usually at like four fifteen or four thirty. It's craziness. Why, I don't know what, what you eat, and that's a more important question. I think we're having some chicken. I think because my, my mom was here and she brought some. She, Mama Macri brought some chicken and potatoes. Ah, I think. Mama Macri's chicken, Mama, not chicken cutlets. <laughs> Let me just make that very clear. Um, anyway, so um, uh, oh my god, I forgot his name for a second. Danny Ainge. That, that's talk about speaks volumes. Um, he's been there for a long time. Um, Rozier said what he said. Kyrie couldn't wait to get the fuck out of there. Horford kind of maybe couldn't wait to get the fuck out of there. Um, Anthony Davis wanted nothing to do with the situation. Kawhi allegedly did not want anything. Like, I've talked about this before. We've talked about this before. Like, the list of guys is getting a little bit longer of, like, you know what, boss, you know, thanks, but no thanks. Um at some point, doesn't that have to be a reflection on the guy calling the shots? Yeah, I think so. And the organization as a whole, um, one of the biggest, and I cannot for the life of me remember who told me this or where I read it, um, but it was definitely from somewhere viable, somewhere where once I acquired this information, whether it was reading or verbal or whatever, it gen genuinely, I believed it and it struck a chord with me, was one of the things that, however I acquired this information, was that Boston don't take care of their players in terms of 
managing their fitness and managing their um, wow. their health. Interesting. And that apparently, like, uh, they'll run guys a bit into the ground. Like, they'll kind of put pressure on you a little bit. And again, I don't know the how much truth is being held in this. Uh, I don't even remember where I, I read this or whatever. But it was very much that they were viewed as a team that would ask you to play through pain more often than not. And That's interesting. You, if you look at the injury histories... Everything matches up. You have Hayward came back probably too soon from his injuries. Isaiah Thomas playing for a hip injury um, that then pretty much destroyed his career because it, he's That's, never been the same. Um, I wonder how many guys around the NBA look at that Isaiah Thomas situation. Oh, there's a, that's a big factor, dude. The, the, the scars from that deal and that trade and what that what he meant to Boston and everything that happened with the passing of his sister and him still playing, but those scars are still fresh in terms of um, in the player circles. I'm sure, dude, because Isaiah Thomas's career went from MVP caliber season. He was fifth um, in the voting. Yep, to he's not in the league no more. You know what I mean? So I feel like that had a big part to play. I think that the amount of injuries that guys have sustained there that have been long-term injuries, like not like it's like it's one thing to get hurt. It's another thing to have injuries that last two or three years. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think for there's sure. a lot you don't that want it to part. linger. Yeah, I think there's a lot that plays part to that. Uh, for me, I think that from a Boston standpoint, like uh, it probably is coming to the end of Danny Ainge's tenure, but my outlook on it is, He's or he's he's so far into this job that anybody else that comes in has to start from the beginning. So you might as well wait until this is complete before you know what I mean. Well, no, it'll just be interesting. What does that again? What does that look like? What does complete look like? You know, what's the next step? Where's the there's because there's yeah. not a ton of flexibility. I mean, two three years ago they were in a position where you could really see a dynasty forming. Oh yeah, now, I thought it was hundred percent. And now you're in a position where you could see them losing everyone and having to figure well, out a way. I mean, look, um, you know, on one hand, I agree with everything you're saying and I'm the one who brought it up for a reason. But on the other hand, it's like, sometimes you don't know what you got until it's gone. And like, there has been a baseline of competence with Danny for a very long time. And I think there is something, there is something to that, but the injury stuff is, you know, and, and again, thinking about Tibbs, it's so funny. He came in with this reputation as a guy who drove guys into the ground. And I, look, Julius Randle's leading the league in minutes by a healthy margin. I think by the end of the season, I, if, if RJ isn't number two in total minutes played, he's I'm actually, no, he, I, I'm sure he's number two. I'm going to look it up as I'm talking. Um, but at the same time, at the same time, they are very careful with bringing guys back and not like, even right now we got quickly on the shelf. We got Burks on the shelf. Like Burks was questionable the other day uh, or, for for the Lakers game, they held him out because it didn't he didn't look right before the game, whatever. Um, so like they push guys when it's appropriate to push guys, but they are all like I don't think we're gonna see Mitchell Robinson again this year. Um, you know, because of it's a foot thing and it's like that's not something you want to screw around with. So I do think, you know, with the Knicks, there is a feeling like this or and then there's the whole like Leon Rose, World Wide West, the Kentucky, the CAA, the whole thing where I think players feel like, okay, this is a player or this is a team where like they will have my my best interest. Oh my God, look at this. Julius Randle's first in minutes, obviously. Jokic is leading Barrett by two minutes. By two minutes. Two minutes is the difference. This is going to be that total for the whole season. Total, is that total minutes. Total minutes. So, um, and they have both played 69 games. So that I wonder if, uh, Man, this is going to be interesting. Will Barrett? I wonder. 
When's the, I'm sure I could look this up at some point, which I will. Because in terms I'm crazy. of in terms of improvement, how would you say Tibbs has done? It? Let's exclude Randall from this conversation because it skews the um, yeah, skews the discussion. So excluding Randall, how much has Tibbs improved? Guys like Barrett, guys like well, what have you seen from Topping? How a, much? Where's that improvement coming? It's a, you know, it's a tough question to answer because you look at Barrett's improvements and like he's a in a different universe as a shooter. He's gotten better as a playmaker. Um, he's in a bit of a slump in from two point range right now. But generally speaking, over the course of the season, we've we've seen extended segments where he's been very good um, around the rim and 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 with some other stuff. Um, but like. Barrett's a guy that works his ass off. He, we've we've read interviews with his trainer this season talking about the work that they put in, right? So is like, is that Tibbs or is that what they do in the offseason? Same thing with Randall. Um, you know, same thing, you know, but at the same but then I think so much of it does have to do with putting guys in positions where they can be successful and knowing when to push guys. Like Reggie Bullock needed to be pushed to shoot more. And if you look at how often, and I've talked about this, if you look at how often he has shot it, he is shooting three more threes per game um, since the all-star break than he was before. He was very hesitant to start the season. And then they, so, someone told him like, look, dude, you got to shoot fucking ball when you have it. Was that Tibbs? Was that Julius Randle? Um, you know, but I think, I think Tibbs is pushing the right buttons and, and, I'll say this, allowing the improvements that guys make to be put on display and be, be, be used in a way that is, is beneficial to them and the team. Um, you know, he, he's the, you know, he guides the ship and, and, and all the, all the credit in the world to him for that. Um, you see, for me, like that's to me, the biggest advertisement for future free agents that no. you can have like no. not not we're not talking this off season maybe not even next like you need a bit of a body of work not just well you need season. and you need players who are free agents or yeah. or you need someone to demand a trade which is and obviously you need money to pay these guys you need cap cap flexibility yeah, but i think that. that you know if, if you draft well if you develop well if you play with a very specific system and structure and you you're successful with the pieces you've got i genuinely believe that's your way to becoming an attractive free agent destination so well, I, I think, think that I think that's this year has definitely been good in more ways than one, just in terms of building some, uh, and I don't like putting it like this, but rebuilding some brand recognition, you know? Oh, and being like, no, that's literally what, that is absolutely what it is. It is rebuilding brand recognition because the Knicks brand for most of the last 20 years was you guys suck and you're, you suck in a way that's, that's amusing um, and sad. Um, you know, whereas now it's, it's obviously very different. So that, so that part has been great. Um, I'm, you know what, I'm fascinated to see how the rest of the season goes because, uh, you know, it, it feels like there's a lot riding on the next, whatever it is. What is it going to be? <laughs> it's going to be a week. Is it going to be, you know, for the Celtics? Like, that's crazy to say, but like, we're, we're, again, we're sitting and recording this on a Wednesday. Um, I guess no, the sections of Celtics Twitter that are talking draft already. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, look, I I get it. I totally get it. Um, I want Book Knight. You want who? Uh, Book Knight. Oh, but Book James Book Knight from Connecticut. Yeah, I like him too. Um, he's a good player. I, I have I have not. I know I'm like familiar with all the guys. I've done draft podcasts, but I haven't like really dove deep 
Um, yeah. Should anyway. name or not? <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> no, it's a great idea. Uh, I know you know you shit. You know you shit better than better than anyone. You are uh, as good a follow uh, for if in general, but also just specifically doing Sky. Doing doing what you do with the Celtics is fantastic. Um, we're gonna. Um, as we always do, we'll, we'll talk again soon. But before I let you go, can you let the fine folks at home know where they could find you and your amazing content? Yeah, man. Well, first of all, thank you for letting me jump on. And, uh, you know, I have these Macri's misgivings about Boston. I've enjoyed them. I just tried to rhyme Macri with something. Um, you guys are looking like it. You guys are lucky. Macri does a great job. Um, I'm a Celtics guy. I subscribe to Nick's Film School. The way the rest of you guys do. Um, he's excellent. So keep supporting him. If you do decide you want to know what's going on in the uh, dumpster fire of Celtics world, uh, you can follow me at Adam Taylor NBA on Twitter. And then I host the Celtics pod for Celtics blog and I write for them too. I try and be as upbeat as possible. This is gave. I'm not, no Celtics fans. I'm assuming are going to listen to this. So I could have, been, I can be a bit more. Candid. How about that? We may have one or two. Yeah, but not enough to come at me with Pitchfork, so I could, I've been able to be a bit more candid. Man, uh, Pitchfork is uh, pitch, Pitchforks are compliments. You know, it takes a lot of effort to get the Pitchfork out of the closet, to raise the Pitchfork. Those things are heavy. You know, yeah, but they hurt. They do hurt. They do hurt. If you if you utilize hurt. it, if you utilize it correctly, it's very true. Um, everybody, go follow Adam. Go go read Adam. Go listen to Adam. He's he's awesome, and um, for as good a content creator as he is, he's an even better guy. So I will I will just end by saying that. Um, and everybody out there, thank you for listening to another episode of the Next Film School Podcast. We'll be back with you um, with um, some some more content very soon when uh, the Knicks regular season is ended, and we are talking about something else other than the next regular season like the postseason how about them apples all right we'll talk to you soon peace out Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.